Have you ever wondered why you aren't getting the results, relationships, or life that you want, or why some of your clients run into the same problems? I'm certified life coach, Lindsay Pullman, and I'm here to tell you that there's nothing wrong with you. There's just more to understand about the multifaceted beauty of the human body. I believe that being trauma-informed is an essential standard of care for coaches, and I'm here to support life coaches who recognize that there is so much more than mindset work when it comes to supporting ourselves and our clients responsibly. So glad you're here. Come on in. Hello, everyone. So glad you are here today. I am coming at you from our home in the south of France. We've made it home after our summer travels. Feels so nice to be here. And for those of you who follow me on social media, if you're starting to see pictures of more beachy vibes, just know that all of this gorgeous beachiness comes with mosquitoes. (laughs) And supposedly it was so hot this year in the south of France that the mosquitoes are, it's almost like their season kind of got pushed to now. So they're pretty aggressive. And even today in my office, midday, they found me, I'm in the shade of my office and they had to like mosquito repellent up inside my office today. (laughs) So anyway, it's just one of those things, you know, there's going to be stuff everywhere you live. We have things here, you have stuff where you are. And I generally choose to focus on the reasons why I really, really love being here. So today we are doing a part two of this series, why trauma responses are pro-social, right? So as you were listening last week, you may already have drawn a lot of parallels to your personal life as I explained what it could look like in the, you know, generally speaking in the entrepreneurship realm. Also, I thought it could just be helpful to give you more examples of, you know, how it may be affecting us as humans, because we're humans first before we're coaches. And so let's make sure that we're taking care of that too. Okay. And, you know, the other thing too, what I've noticed is as I work through my own stuff, my own, you know, trauma responses and things like that, it just helps me be so much more attuned and grounded so that I can actually pick up on this stuff with my clients. And so the more that you're able to pick up on this stuff for yourself, the more naturally and organically you're going to pick up on it with your clients and be able to use your intuition as a guide to let you know where you want to go with clients. Because sometimes you're going to pick up on some of this stuff and it could make sense to do some grounding work or things like that. And other times it could be worth just kind of having an eye on things and making sure we bring in conjunctive support when necessary. Okay. So again, I'm focusing on you know, types of trauma responses kind of outside of your work environment. So for you as coaches, why don't we just let ourselves be humans first for the next little bit, if that makes sense. And so, because a lot of things, you know, almost everything here, we could pick up in some way and be like, oh, wow, everything's a trauma response. That's not really the case. Watching Netflix isn't always a trauma response. Sometimes I want to watch Netflix after work or different things like that. So As I offer some of these, if you want, you can try them on. The goal here for all of you is just to have more compassionate, compassion and understanding of yourself. Because a lot of times trauma responses keep us stuck. They keep us from getting the results that we want. They keep us from living the lives that we need, that we want to live. And they keep us separated from ourselves and in ways that 
aren't always helpful. Okay. Actually, sometimes trauma responses are helpful. Sometimes separation of self can be a good thing, right? And we can be so grateful for the way our body responds to stuff. And as we get older and develop more capacity to internalize these tools and concepts, we can develop out this deeper, loving, more intimate connection with ourselves to heal in the ways that we want to, or just to unwind some conditioned patterns that have been taught to us or that we've internalized or even things that we've inherited. Okay. So I'm just going to offer some examples. Let yourself just be a human right now as you're listening. Just take off that coach hat and see what fits and see what doesn't. Okay. And if it feels like a lot of things fit, that's also okay too. And it might not always be a trauma response as well. So I'm just going to drop that out there. And then again, as I offer some of these different examples, there can definitely be overlaps between responses and things like that. If I give you an example of something in the fight response, that doesn't mean it couldn't ever be kind of a flight response for you. So these are just general examples and let's go. A fight response. There's so many different things. And I tried to give a few examples that aren't necessarily, that weren't from the last podcast episode, but some of them just work really well in this realm too, because we're humans. So one thing with the fight response that I see sometimes is kind of this like really intense overscheduling where we overschedule ourselves, overschedule all of our time outside of work so that we almost so that we kind of just continue to move, 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 move without thinking. So it's one thing to have, you know, a packed schedule and whatnot. And for you, you could just ask yourself, what is the why behind this? Is this because these are all things that light me up? Or am I afraid of just slowing down? Am I afraid of spontaneity? Is there something else there? Okay. And what's the energy behind it too? Is it kind of more aggressive, micromanaging family members? Okay. So I mentioned this with clients, but I also think it can be helpful to think about this other parts of your life that you want to control. You know, if you are, if you are volunteering in certain organizations, are you micromanaging there? Is there an intensity behind the work that you do? Or are you able to like delegate and release a little bit? When you have conversations in groups or with certain people in your family, are you constantly interrupting others and struggling and or struggling to stay on topic during conversations because you're determined to get your point across? How determined are you to make sure (laughs) everything you want to say gets said? You know, what's the energy behind that? Is it you wanting to be right? Is it you wanting to feel in control? So flight response, are we over worrying? It kind of sounds cute and nice to have constant concern over other people's welfare, or maybe for the country that you live in, in a way that feels loving. And while it could be loving, how supportive is it for you in your body to constantly worry? What stress hormones are being activated by your constant worrying? Is it actually solving problems? Or is it just a state of being that feels more familiar than something else? Okay. I put overscheduling here too, you know, booking out your time, family's time, everyone, all the activities that could be kind of a fight or a flight. I also talked about micromanaging in, in the fight, but also in the flight response, like after you've cleaned, do you keep cleaning after you've mowed the lawn or cleaned out your garage? Do you continue to fuss over stuff or do you relax and move on? So there's a difference between like 
observing a lawn that you mowed and or a garden that you recently weeded and being like, yeah, did that as awesome versus that constant kind of like fussing, nitpicking, continual obsession or focus on that. Okay. Perfectionism is here, but I'm also going to mention it in the freeze response space. Okay. Flight response, always moving. Can you sit still in your house? Can you rest without worry? Is your rest actually restful? Okay. Another thing is your ability to concentrate. Is it hard to concentrate? Okay. Freeze response, some version of paralysis. Are you procrastinating on major life decisions? Are you procrastinating on little decisions? Do you find it difficult to access clarity? Do you find it difficult to find the nuance in your specific situation? Do you have a problem or a hard time following through with things you say you'll do, but then you don't do them and you don't know why? Do you spend so much time comparing yourself in your local community that you aren't able to take any action towards what you want to? Are you, you know, less responsive with friends and family than normal? Do you find yourself not wanting to check emails or text messages um, that people send you due to some fear? (laughs) And just so you know, this is different than being like, yeah, I just want to get to it later. Right. Or I want to make sure I'm in a good place before reading that text. It's a little bit different than that. This is more like knowing there's something in the closet, not wanting to know what's in the closet and but also having it kind of affect you, even though you're not in the closet with whatever it is that's there. Some version of numbing out, over scrolling, over shopping, overeating, over drinking. Um, you know, we could go on with so many of these things that could be construed as addictive behaviors. And there's a difference between just being aware and conscious and connected versus creating a disconnect so that you don't have to feel. Okay. And I think there's something to be said for like the awareness of buffering, you know, and I think I said this in the last episode, but I don't feel like it can be over-iterated where I might know that it's time to go to bed, but for whatever reason, I want to watch one more episode and I can do that and be open, connected with myself through that versus zoned out, disconnected, and just kind of like clicking, 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 and continuing to watch. Okay. None of these behaviors are bad. These are just behaviors to observe. So we don't need to get on ourselves. If we are noticing any of these in ourselves, either we can just observe with compassionate love, like, oh, this is here. I wonder why, because there's usually a reason why. So we really don't need to get on ourselves when we notice this kind of stuff. It's more just about establishing understanding and connection in this as much as we're able to do. Okay. Perfectionism for sure freeze response. So many of us in our perfectionism, we paralyze ourselves and don't even move towards the things that we want to because of that. And another one too, could be just kind of a constant, consistent low energy. Now, some of these could be signs of, you know, depression. If you think of that constant, consistent, low energy. And so for you, that's something to try on and ask like, And constant, consistent, low energy could be because your hormones are changing. It could be so many different things. And so just know that because I read it here, doesn't mean it's only linked to trauma responses. It could be linked to so many different things and you just get to try them on for yourself and see how it feels to you. Don't forget shutting down type behavior. That's a definite freeze response. So if you notice in your marriage, if you're having arguments with your spouse or things like that, 
and you notice yourself being the one that kind of like shuts down, turns off to end the conversation, that can definitely be more of a freeze response as well. So the fawn response, some version of people pleasing your friends, peers, neighbors, clergy, even your paid coaches or therapists, doctors. Yes, we people please our doctors for sure. Um, not all the time, but sometimes, or our kids, okay? Overinflating. Do you o- find yourself overinflating someone else's ego for any reason? Even if it's like something you don't totally believe. Wow, you're the most amazing person I've ever met. I don't think there's any problem with giving great grand compliments. Just pay attention to the why behind that, right? If you think of someone in an abusive relationship, maybe overinflating is a way to spread out the timing between the part of the abuse cycle where an abuser might, you know, actually do some harm. Okay. Another fond response, over worrying or obsessing about past conversations, how you are perceived, what you said, did, or didn't make sense. More of kind of a reactionary, definitely from a more reactionary space. Okay. Saying yes to everything, even when you need to say no, even when you know you need to take a break or sleep or rest, it can be for so many reasons. Sometimes this is done to to people please our friends and to be liked. There are so many different reasons why we do this as women. So there's conditioning that can be behind it. There could be inherited traits or things like that. For you, it's just a matter of trying things on. What is this for me? Why do I feel such a compulsivity to saying yes, even when it hurts me? (laughs) All right, because what about you? Where do you come to play in your life? I can't tell you how many times I've been on consults when I ask something like, what about you? Where do you come into play here? And the person I'm having the consult with is like doesn't even know how to answer because they haven't even thought about themselves in so long. They don't even know what they want. They don't know where they come into play, okay? So, you know, something for you to just check on with yourself is real quick would be also just a check-in, you know, do you see yourself as an equal family member, an equal friend to your friends? Is it okay to take up equal space with other people in your life? Okay. Another example, and there's overlap here, because I could definitely see this kind of going into micromanaging, but if we're worried about how someone perceives us, you know, checking text responses or to checking a text to see if a text was read, when it's time to do something else. Okay. Another fawn response could be kind of that, like, it needs to be me idea. I hate to say it, coaches or humans, because we're focusing on humans today. It can't always be you. Okay. A big one that I see a lot is struggling to set boundaries in the name of keeping the peace. That's such a common one. Um, and again, also the freeze response. Okay. So my last little tip for you. Now that I've given you these examples, one thing you can also do with yourself and with your clients, and we go deeper into this in my relationship trauma certification for coaches is to just start watching for pairs. Okay. Does the behavior of yourself or the client line up with how people would generally respond to a certain circumstance or set of circumstances? Now, if you want a basic document that gives a list to start with, for some of these different pairs or things to pay attention to in the show notes, there's a freebie called 10 signs. Your client could be exhibiting a trauma response. So you could look at that, try it on for yourself, but it also could be good to keep on hand for your clients. And a lot of that comes with watching for pairs is what their body language doing, matching up with what they're saying. An example might be 
you being in a traffic jam and having just super, super intense rage at all the other drivers and the person in the car with you doesn't, right? Of course, they're maybe they're annoyed, maybe they're disheartened, or maybe they plan for there to be traffic. It's not a big deal. But if you notice that your emotional response doesn't kind of match the general response of people on the road, it could be worth checking in like, whoa, what is this? What's here? Okay. This could be an anxiety thing. Maybe people get extra anxiety during traffic jams because they were in a car accident once during a traffic jam. So just try it on for yourself and see where you go from there if you want to. Another thing I want to just mention before we jump off is this idea of responsibility. And I think this could be a whole other episode, but You know, I think there's a balance to find between us as coaches putting responsibility on the client and us as humans overtaking responsibility. So I'm going to focus on just us being humans right now. So many of us, especially women or people who identify as women are bred to overtake personal responsibility for our results or the lack thereof. And while there's something incredibly empowering about personal responsibility, sometimes we can do it in ways that don't serve us. Sometimes we're afraid to identify something as trauma because we think that puts us in a victim position. And I want to offer that sometimes calling something what it is that fits you and your experience sometimes is the empowering thing that you need to heal in the way that you want to. So education and context can be a really, really great first step to getting out of this over-responsibility rut that some of us find ourselves in. So what if we could shift from quote unquote, something's wrong with me to maybe this is happening because something is right with me, right with my brain based on my personal unique internalization of various factors, environmental and genetic. I know that's a long line, but what if instead of always defaulting to something's wrong with me to just some version of maybe this means something's right with me. So try and both on, see how it feels. And why does this all matter? It's helpful to see where your responses come in as a human outside of coaching so that you can be grounded enough to pick up on this stuff with respect to your clients. If you can't do it with yourself, It's going to be so much harder to pick up on potential trauma trails that your clients may be hinting at, whether they're doing it consciously or unconsciously. And also remember, trauma responses are pro-social because we're wired for connection as humans and we want to be connected to other humans. And so as we break these trauma bonds or trauma responses or trauma circuits, sometimes there is resistance to that because it can feel like it's a threat to our relationships. And so if any of that resonates with you, know that that's also normal and that's also okay. And if any, if any, or a lot of those examples up above resonate with you, again, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a walking set of trauma responses. Okay. Our unconscious mind is steering the ship too. And there are a lot of reasons behind these behaviors. So instead of hating on the behaviors, let's be mindful and be curious about how this can do so much to support the connection that we're looking for in ourselves. Hey, come and join us in this revolution. Gotta call before we walk this in evolution. So are you ready to become a part of our forever community of trauma-informed coaches? Go to lindsaypullman.com and see if my advanced certification is a fit for you. And we ready to hear this what we pursuing. 
coaches change lives, it's what we doing This the place to be, no need to panic, see nah. We got each other's backs in this healing community yeah. Wanna know the facts? It's simple. simple When we coming together, yeah, we got unity 